When a man is confronted by aliens from another world, they order him to do the unthinkable. And then we travel to the United Kingdom to meet a couple friends who are out smoking a little bit of weed and enjoying some fresh night air. Little did they know their lives would forever change when the phone rang. Today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day too. I hope you guys are having tons of fun doing whatever you're doing. Let's go ahead and get this episode started. Let's go ahead and introduce one of our Christmas live stream contributors coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now. Everyone give it up for Jonathan Belloc. Woohoo! Yeah, come on in. Come on in, buddy. And she's shaped like a big old bell walking in. Ding dong. Jonathan, you're going to be our captain, our pilot this episode. If you can't support the Patreon, if you can't support the show financially, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. That really, really helps out a lot. Now, Jonathan, let's go ahead and toss you the keys of the Jason Jalopy. We are leaving behind Dead Rabbit Command. We're going to drive all the way out to Mexico. Jonathan's driving us on out there. We got the AC on full blast. We're just kicking back, enjoying the ride. Specifically, we're headed down to La Palma Oaxca. La Palma Oaxca. People right now are looking at maps. They're like, that, that's not how you pronounce it. Well, luckily, we're not going into that town. We're going near it. It's December 1st, 1979. We're near La Palma Oaxca. And a man is stumbling out of the darkness. He's just covered in blood. People are coming out of their homes because he's like freaking out, right? He's he's wailing in pain and fear. People are like, oh man, that sounds like terrible. Let's look out our window. See what's going on. This dude's covered in blood and he's freaking out. And they noted, like that would be alarming enough, right? <laughs> if you heard someone wailing in pain and you looked out your window and you saw a man walking through the darkness covered in blood, that would already be bad enough. But it doesn't take long for the townspeople to realize that most of the blood, there's a little bit on his shirt, a little bit on his arms, but most of his blood is below his waist. So that should give you an idea. That should give you an idea of where the story's going. Let's travel back in time to just the day previous. It's 5 p.m. November 30th, 1979. There's this worker, we don't have his name, we don't have the name of this unfortunate soul, but we'll go ahead and call him Jerry. Jerry's working at a local palm grove, and he's using his machete to cut down weeds. Shop, 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 and the weeds are just falling everywhere, and then he just keeps chopping. He's like, I'm doing a good job, I'm a big boy. Chop, 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 chopping them up. And then all of a sudden, these eight tall men just kind of walk up on him. Now, I'm going to tell you that I found this story on thinkaboutadocs.com. That's not the whole story. <laughs> That's not the whole story. You're like, Jason, wow. You're really hurting for material. That's my... Oh, my God. Anyways, that's not an EVP. That's just someone who doesn't own a muffler. This... Guys... Oh, where is it? Oh, yeah. Think about, I found this on thinkaboutadocs.com. They got it from Robert E. Bartholomew, who wrote a book called UFO Lore. I actually couldn't find any proof of that book existing. I found a bunch of other books written by Robert E. Bartholomew. We'll talk about him in a second. He's very famous in the study of UFOs and mass hallucinations and ghosts. He's been consulted a lot about the Havana Syndrome thing. We'll talk about that in a second, though. He is an expert in the field of parapsychology, though. But 
I couldn't find a book called UFO Lore, but so remember that. I want you to remember that this comes from UFOology, the way I'm going to tell you the story. These eight tall dudes walk up to Jerry, and they were described as having dark skin, not, <laughs> not dark green skin, not dark skin with scales. They were just darker skinned people than Jerry. They were wearing uh, green goggles. I don't know if those are normal, right? And they had communication devices. So that could either be like a little badge from Star Trek or walkie-talkie. And they were all brandishing a style of weapon that Jerry described as a machine gun. In quotes, he described them as, quote, machine guns. So I'm having a hard time figuring out if this... I believe the story's probably real, but I don't know... If he was confronted by eight unusually tall, unusually dark, unusually green-goggled aliens who had futuristic weapons shaped like Earth machine guns and communicators. I mean, that's so vague. But he believes that they were aliens. He believes that he was confronted by these aliens, right? And these aliens are speaking Spanish. (laughs) These aliens are speaking the language that is of that area, right? And these aliens slash men with machine guns, they order Jerry to cut off his own penis. And he does. Chops it right off. And then wanders around the darkness for hours on end until finally he walks up to La Palma... Oxaca, and he's moaning and wailing and he's holding his crotch probably in one hand in the other hand i wonder if they let him pick up his penis like if, i wonder if he was allowed to carry it <laughs> get kind of oh you're all my hands getting tired i've been carrying this all night long you put it in your pocket at a certain point right but i don't know we don't have a lot of follow-up to this whole bunch of questions to this story right it's definitely when i when i saw this that is <laughs> That is the whole story. Now we can start dissecting it. No pun intended. He chopped his penis off. These aliens showed up. They made him chop his penis off. What's interesting about this story is, one, we've never come across a story like, if this is UFO related, because it was in a book, it was in a book that doesn't exist called UFO Lore by Robert Bartholomew, Bartholomew, who again is a very famous name in parapsychology and Mass hallucination. He's the guy. He's done a lot of speeches. He wrote a book about the Havana syndrome. That was where the ambassador, U.S. ambassador staff in Havana, Cuba, started to get sick. And you saw headlines all over the world about a sonic weapon that was being used against our ambassadors. And he just chalked it up to mass hallucination. Maybe it was, I'm paraphrasing, right? I didn't read his book, but he goes, if this same sickness had overcome a bunch of steel workers in the middle of Idaho, we never would have thought it was any sort of weapon he's written a lot about mass hallucinations he's written a lot about ghosts and ufos he has all these books out seems to be more of a skeptic i don't know what book they're referring to there is no book called ufo lore but as i always like to use the term lore i can't think of another time that an alien forced a human to mutilate themselves or another person that would actually be kind of interesting i mean i wouldn't want it to happen to me but like for i don't know you see that in horror movies and stuff like that 
where like the alien goes, you, the aliens basically jigsaw. He came all the way from across the galaxy to be like, you think you can cut down the palm trees, but what do you hold in your palm most of the time? Tick tock, Jerry. That, that's never happened, right? That's never happened. I, I can't think of another time where an alien's force someone to mutilate themselves. Now, it could be that the reason why, maybe that's how cows are getting mutilated. The aliens are coming down, they're like, you gotta drain all your own blood. The cows are like, what? how's that even possible? They're just thinking really hard. Their eyeballs pop out and then all their blood disappears. I've never came across anything of that in the lore. I think it's most reasonable to think that this guy was doing his job and just some dude showed up with machine guns and they're like, yo, chop your dick off. And he's like, huh? <laughs> Even that's pretty weird, right? Like, I know humans are sick. That, I mean, I could see that happening, but I mean, like, you'd be like, what? Fine. I mean, it's, you, I, I, I guess if you have a machine gun to your head, you might do it. I, it's weird because are they, is he, was he implying that they telepathically made him chop off his own penis? Or what? And then what did they do afterwards? He chopped his penis off and then he ran away screaming and they're like, okay, now what do we do? That was uh, fun for uh, about five minutes, but like, do we do it again? <laughs> do we go to the town and get drinks? Who knows? So bizarre story. Absolutely bizarre story. Did aliens come down and make a guy chop his penis off? Was it aliens? Was it a group of people? Just normal humans with goggles? Chopping, making people chop their dicks off? And if so, are they still out there? <laughs> They're right behind you right now. You're like, ah! You turn around, you only see seven tall dudes. You're like, whoa, that was close. And then you turn back around and the eighth one's chopping your dick off. What if this is? What if this does happen more often? Right? What if this does happen more often and we don't hear about it because the people, then the alien's like, oh, yes, a good start. You've chopped off your genitals. Now... Chop off one of your arms. And he, like, chops it off. He's like, oh, can I stop now? And the alien's like, hmm, let me see. I don't like the way your liver is looking at me. You're like, ah, chopping your liver out. Jonathan, fly us out of Mexico. We are headed all the way out to the United Kingdom. Jonathan, we're in the United Kingdom. The year is 2009. And it's nighttime. We're going to meet a young man named Keith. He's 17 years old, and he's hanging out with his friends in the United Kingdom. And he tells us this. Now, Keith isn't his real name. He doesn't use real names. But we're going to meet three friends. Keith, Randall, and Michael. Those are the names that I'm going to give him. And they're out smoking some weed in this deserted field. And it's kind of like right next to a tennis court. So you're sitting there, you're smoking weed, and just enjoying the beautiful night air of Britain. And all of a sudden, Randall gets a phone call. He gets his phone. Hello? Keith said right when Randall answered the phone, he started flipping out. He just began screaming as loud as he could into the phone. Now, Randall was sitting down. They're all kind of sitting down while they're smoking. And Randall flops his body backwards and begins just screaming into the phone. And Keith and Michael are completely taken aback by this. Keith goes, I've never heard someone scream like that before, ever. It was this loud, piercing scream, and he was just spouting off gibberish. They couldn't make any sense of what he was saying. And at the same time, he was writhing around on the ground. 
His entire body is just contorted and twisting, and he's rolling around on the ground, and he's just screaming. Keith put it like this, quote, I can't even really describe how bad this was. The noises he was making were disgusting. I can't even try to explain it. Keith says, even thinking about it, he wrote this post anonymously, but he goes, even thinking about it now, all these years later, it makes me physically ill to remember the noises Randall was making as he was rolling around on the ground, just screaming. And then his eyes started to bug out and he begins to laugh. He begins to laugh so loud the the cacophony of laughter has now replaced the screaming and his eyes just seem to be protruding from his head and then all of a sudden, Randall completely stops making noise. He's not screaming. He's not laughing. And in a very calm manner, he takes his phone, puts it into his pocket, gets up, walks over to the tennis court fence and starts climbing it. Once he gets to the top of this 10-foot fence, he jumps off headfirst into the ground, breaks his neck, and dies. They obviously called the police, right? They obviously needed to get some sort of assistance for him, but when the police show up, he's already dead. He died on impact. The police show up, and the ambulance shows up, takes the body, takes it away, and Keith and Michael are just dumbfounded, and they're telling the cops what happened. And the police just completely write it off as a stoner kid having an accident. No, no, I mean, like, yeah, we were all stoned and stuff like that, but he got this phone call, and, like, he went crazy. And the, you mean, like, how sometimes people can have bad reactions to weed? Well, yeah, 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 but it was more than that, like... He was screaming, and then he started laughing. What do you mean the way that people laugh when they're like, yeah, yeah, officer, but it was more than that. Like, I don't know what happened, but he, 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 like, it wasn't just an accident. Something happened. But the police just completely filed it as dumb stoner kid does dumb stoner thing. So there was no real investigation into this. And, and what would you investigate, right? The phone? You're going to have the cops start doing a... Search for Samara? Getting search warrants for all the local VCRs? I mean, like, what are you going to do? After this happened, Randall's family moved away pretty soon afterwards. And Keith and Michael, it really messed him up. He said Michael started doing ketamine. He started self-medicating, and he's not the same person he used to be. He pretty much rotted his brain out with drugs. Keith goes, I, got, I started taking Celexa. I started taking an SSRI drug. It just wasn't really working for him, apparently. He did stop it. And he says, most of the time, I try not to think about it. But ever since that day when I get a phone call and it shows unknown number or blocked number, I never answer it. It's a fascinating story. And if you think about it, Let's say that this phone call went out to 10 people at the same time. Like, let's say that he wasn't targeted, or 100 people, or 1,000 people across the world, and 50 of them answered it. 50 of them go, oh. And out of those 50 people who actually took the call, let's say all 50 of them killed themselves, how many people would just be racked up as a suicide number, right? 
and you could have people be like, no, that guy would never kill himself. And the officer goes, listen, all we know is that your boyfriend jumped off a 10-story balcony. So, I mean, you can say all day long that he didn't kill himself, but there was evidence of no one else in this room, and your boyfriend's at the bottom. I don't know why the cops are being so rude to this girl, but you know what I mean? Like, even if it was somebody who you'd be like, dude, I can't believe that guy would ever kill himself, that would be the only thing you could really think. Or an accident right someone getting the phone call and laughing hysterically and then walking into the bathtub and spilling water all over the ground and then slipping around whoa whoa. you know what i mean like it would be creepy and it would be effective right and that i gotta wrap this up soon because i could just go on and on for about this but there's that idea that you can hack the human brain there's actually been a lot of talk about this recently that you can hack the human brain like we think of it as we have our thought patterns, we have our soul, we have these ideas that we march forward, but it's electrical impulses that are carrying all that stuff back and forth. What if you could disrupt the way that the brain waves were working, not magically, but there was some sort of code, despair code type of thing that actually makes the brain go loopy and makes you kill yourself. And again, most of these deaths would just be chalked up to suicides or accidents. There was two witnesses to this one, and the police totally didn't investigate it. And if those kids hadn't, or if Keith himself hadn't posted this online, then we never would have heard of it either. So how many other people suffered from that phone call that night or since? Are these phone calls still going out there? Is someone still auto-dialing numbers? And when you pick up, you go mad. It's a terrifying idea because we all have to communicate with each other. And if there is a disease that is spread as a meme, as a communication, as a form of media, the chances of you getting it are, 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 I mean, it's incredibly high. Whether or not you have, if you have a cell phone, you'd be incredibly susceptible to this. But some people don't have cell phones. Well, you have a home phone. Some people don't have home phones. Well, you know... Okay, Amish man, you'll get a letter in the mail. Like, how do you avoid a curse or a disease that's spread via media? Because we know how to protect ourselves from airborne diseases. We know how to protect ourselves from, you know, skin-borne diseases and monkeypox. Jeez, that's terrifying. You got monkeypox running around, but I know how not to get monkeypox. But imagine if there was something out there that was spread via media. And that's always been a trope in the paranormal horror community. That there is. I've done episodes that I thought were a curse. <laughs> I still released them. You can't avoid communication. You'd have to be a monk in a cave to avoid this signal. Now, obviously, we're not having these mass die-offs because of these phone calls, but... It didn't matter for Randall and his family and for Keith and Michael who saw this and went to some serious mental trauma themselves. The only thing Randall did wrong that day was pick up his phone. And that was enough to kill him. The police report may say dumb stoner kid does dumb stoner things. But to Keith and Michael, they know the truth. That a 
insanity-fueled death is just a phone call away. DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. TikTok is at deadrabbitradio. Dead Rabbit Radio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day, but I'm glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys. <laughs>